Welcome to our exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets Update for Friday, March 5th. Each week, we check in with a leader across the firm to get a quick take on what they're watching in markets. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And today, we're going to talk about cryptocurrency trading. And to do that, we're joined by Matt McDermott, Global Head of Digital Assets for Goldman Sachs Global Markets Division. Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Well, I predict this will be an interesting session, Matt. You're sitting at the crossroads of a lot of interesting conversations about digital assets in general, but crypto in particular must be a very busy time. What are you hearing from the range of clients that we're engaged with? Yeah, it's certainly a busy time, that's for sure. I mean, in terms of kind of institutional demand, we have seen no signs of that abating. And when we talk about institutional demand, we talk about the whole cross-section of the industry sectors. The team have fielded well over 300 conversations And when I talk about the broad spectrum, I'm referring to hedge funds, to asset managers, to macro funds, to banks, to corporate treasurers, insurance and pension funds. And I think it's pretty fair to say that all of that institutional client discussion is really focused around Bitcoin, where the questions are not really, what is it? Thankfully, it's more about how can we get exposure? What are the instruments we can transact? And what is Goldman offering today? And I think what I found most interesting in the number of conversations I've been part of is the diversity of them. And as you can imagine, the different industry sectors have different perspectives and are at different stages of their evolution. So if I take corporate treasurers, for example, they're interested in two different aspects. Firstly, should they be investing Bitcoin on their balance sheet? And as they think through that, the key drivers from their perspective are negative rates, if they've got cash you know, on deposit where negative rates are being applied, and then just the general fears around asset devaluation. And so that's really kind of driving a lot of thought from that perspective. And then secondly, they're also thinking about it, particularly in the context of Tesla's announcement, you know, should we consider it as a payment mechanism? Okay, so that's the corporate side, the corporate treasurer side. And obviously, in the wake of that big announcement by Tesla, a lot of interest in the space. How about the hedge fund complex? Some of them have been active for a longer time. What kinds of questions are you hearing from asset managers? Yeah, hedge funds, just taking them first. I mean, yes, they have been active, but I think there's been a reawakening. So there's a lot of talk, but we've definitely seen a a lot more activity across that industry sector over the last three to four months. And then when you look at the macro funds and the asset managers, it's broadly the same, that they've really started to think through all the different investment thesis. And so from my perspective, talking to those clients, they're much clearer on why they want to invest. Really, what they're interested in is broader market behavior and really identifying what are the most efficient ways for them to get exposure and to think about hedging. To help inform our thinking as well in this space, one of the things that we have thought about and really keen to share the kind of results with our clients is, what do our clients think? So we've conducted a survey across our institutional client base, specifically on crypto assets, and we've actually received nearly 300 responses and found some pretty interesting feedback from that. So talk a little bit about what you learned from that survey and was there anything surprising in the findings? Yeah, it's a good question. What's been particularly interesting of the respondents, 40% of the clients currently have exposure to cryptocurrencies. And that could be through a variety of different mediums, the physical, through derivatives, through securities products or other offerings in the market. And so that seemed actually a little high to me, but I felt that was kind of very reflective of the demand we've seen over the last three to six months. I thought another interesting stat, which really corroborates what we mentioned earlier, was that 61% of the clients expect their digital asset holdings to increase over the next year. And while we're on this, I think it would be a little remiss of me also not to mention, I guess, the demand that we see across our wealth management 
client base. You know, we see continued appetite both internally and externally through the private bank. So yes, we see a huge amount of demand institutionally, but we're also seeing that reflected in the private wealth management space as well. This has been an area of focus for Goldman for some time now. How are the client discussions different today than they were four years ago, say 2017? I mean, plain and simple, it's the institutional demand that we see. 2017 was very much a retail-driven market. This time around, as mentioned, we've just seen a huge volume of institutional demand across the broad spectrum of different industry types. And as a function, you know, you're seeing incumbent banks now explore ways that they can develop products to satisfy that client demand, enabling them to kind of gain exposure to the different cryptocurrencies and also be mindful of what is possible from a regulatory perspective. At GS, we're exploring a number of different options to facilitate that demand. And as mentioned earlier in the week in the press, we're actually going live with our crypto trading desk which will be quite narrow initially, but we'll focus on CME futures and non-deliverable forwards. And we're also now disseminating Bitcoin content to our institutional clients through our marquee platform. Goldman's, as I said, been in the space for a little while, but some of the big institutions like Goldman have been held back a little bit by some of the regulatory uncertainty around there. What's kept Goldman and others from taking a bigger role in crypto? Yeah, I think one of the key factors is for the US banks, it's the inability to trade the physical. And As we've seen from a lot of demand, particularly kind of with the hedge funds, some of the asset managers and the macro funds, is a desire to get access to the physical. So that's been something that we've had to think cleverly how we can facilitate that demand in a different way. In Asia, for example, there are certain jurisdictions where that is permissible, where you can trade the physical. And we're seeing certain banks look at developing institutional exchanges and other avenues to execute the physical with institutional clients. So Matt, you mentioned that one of the things holding us back is inability of banks like ourselves to trade the physical. What is trading the physical? We know what trading physical oil means. What is trading a digital asset like Bitcoin, the physical asset? What does that look like? It's actually trading the spot instrument on a blockchain. And so that's why you'll find with the trading desk, we migrate to different products. So we have the ability to trade derivatives where we cash settle. So we don't trade the physical. So to close out, any strong conviction from your survey around the price of BTC, where it may be at the end of the year, and more generally, what the future of crypto looks like? I'll take the last question first and then come on to the price. I think this is a fast evolving landscape where the crypto incumbents have certainly made huge progress over the last couple of years, be it from an institution, a custody, a risk management perspective. You know, We fully expect them to continue to do so. But as institutional demands, there is an expectation from clients now that the incumbent banks will develop their offerings to satisfy that demand. And so I certainly anticipate a certain amount of consolidation across that space. And I think one of the responses in the survey does highlight this. When we talk about top products that clients are interested in, specifically in this marketplace, it is the ability to access spot through their prime brokers. And the other kind of key fundamental point, which I should definitely make, is the underlying technology for these markets, private and public blockchains. This represents, you know, a real diverse set of opportunities for the financial industry and something that there is a huge amount of momentum in the market. We know firsthand, just given the various different projects that we're working on, we see this as a hugely exciting time exploring the potential of that technology. In terms of the price action, I think it's very difficult to predict Bitcoin. It's not an easy pastime. But the survey was quite insightful in the sense that 76% agreed that the price by the end of the year would be between 40 and 100,000. So hedging the bet somewhat. But 22% were predicting over $100,000. 
And I was on a similar survey with a private roundtable recently, and the results there echoed something quite similar, where 33% were predicting over 80,000 by the end of the year. All right. Keep in mind, those are not Goldman Sachs predictions. That's from a survey of our clients who are active in the space, but we'll see what the future holds. Matt, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That concludes this episode of Exchanges Goldman Sachs. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. In case you missed it, check out our other episode this week with Paget McCall of Goldman Sachs Asset Management and Stefan Strein, CIO of the Cleveland Clinic, on how healthcare organizations are investing capital through a public health crisis. This podcast was recorded on Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. Thank you for listening. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.